and seen. And the best way that I know how to do that for myself is getting in a room with a group of other moms who all nod their head and say, yeah, mm -hmm, we've been there. When I say something like, last night I helped my kids look for their missing candy, even though I knew the whole time I had eaten it the night before. (laughs) And I didn't feel guilty about it. (laughs) Uh, We have so many moms here this morning. My kids are biological and adopted, and I know that we have so many foster moms in our church, adoptive moms in our church. We have um, grandmas in this church. We have birth moms in this church. And the only kind of mom that I can't really get behind, I'm going to say quietly, is like the whole dog mom thing. I just, I, you can be angry at me if you need to be, but I just, I can't. I can't support it. I don't. It's different. Dogs, humans. It's, I know you love them. It's your thing, but... I'm not celebrating you. Okay. We really love and value moms here at our church. Becoming a mother is one of the most difficult things that there is to do. The reality, the reality is that one in eight of us struggle with infertility, that 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage, not to mention the heartache and the feeling of loss of displaced and failed adoptions and foster reunifications um, and then the reality of the physical realities of pregnancy and childbirth, right? So it's not easy to earn that title, mom. And we know that life begins at conception, right? But I don't know that I truly believe that motherhood really begins until a stranger tells you that you have barf in your hair. I think that's the moment that you like become a mother. You step into that role. I remember that moment for me, the very first time that happened, it was our one-year anniversary, and we had Ollie with us. He was a newborn, and we were out to dinner at a restaurant, and the waiter came up to me to tell me I had barf in my hair because apparently I was grossing out to everyone else in the restaurant. And I was like so humiliated. I was like mortified. I have to go in the bathroom and like wash it out. Four kids later, I'm at the grocery store checking out, getting all my groceries like onto the thing while simultaneously trying to keep my two-year-old from opening and licking 45 eye-level candy bars, which that was a terrible idea, whoever set that up in the grocery store. Someone taps on my shoulder to tell me there's barf in my hair. I'm like, Barf, that's it. Yesterday, it's two lollipops and pizza crust, okay? So you're going to tap on my shoulder and interrupt everything that's going on right here. There better be a bald eagle building a nest back there, okay? Because barf, like, that's on you. That's your problem if you can't handle it. Can't take a little barf. Come on. But um, we do have four kids. And people think that's a lot of kids. And you know how I know that? Because everywhere I go, people tell me that's a lot of kids. (laughs) They say things like... Wow, you've got your hands full. Like, that's helpful. It's not. Um, And then one of my personal favorites, uh, people say there's no such thing as a stupid question. And that is false. Because here's an example of a stupid question. When I'm out with all my kids to stop me and say, are all these yours? Like, what am I? No, no, they're not. I just hate going to the BMV alone. So I thought... Let me round up four little strangers, take them with me to take this experience from like an eight to a ten. And now that I'm done, go home, little strangers, back to where you came from. I'll pick you up next week for my uh, trip to the dentist and the bookstore and then to try on jeans because I wouldn't want to do any of those things alone either. 
<laughs> but seriously, that's the comments. I just, they sometimes get to me, and I'm sure all you moms can understand the comments from the people. It's because I just don't feel like I need to justify my life choices to like a grown man in a Pikachu t-shirt. It's like, listen, sir, I'm not judging you. I say nothing, you know, with the trading cards. Like, maybe it's time to give it up. I don't know. Sixth grade was over a while ago. But I say nothing because you do you, Pikachu, and I'm going to do me, okay? And we're all just going to grocery shop in silence. But the most ridiculous comment I think I've ever gotten as a mother, we were leaving the hospital with Layla, who is our youngest, who is adopted, Oh, she's so cute. Okay. Um, and the hospital rule was that the mothers had to be wheeled out with the babies. So even though she was adopted, she had to be wheeled out in my arms when she was discharged. So they sent a man up to wheel us out. And so before I sat down on the chair, we said hello. We chatted a little bit. And um, he said, is this your first? And we said, no, our fourth. And he was like, oh, man. And then he said to Drew, you know how this happens, right? He looked at us and missed the most obvious clue to why that particular comment did not apply to us at all. Obviously, she was adopted. I was leaving the hospital in jeans, okay? No woman who has ever given birth has ever left the hospital in jeans. Women who give birth don't even look at jeans for like a year. We throw them into the farthest, darkest corner of the closet. We don't want to see them. We say throw those leg prisons on a fire and burn them, okay? That's what Courtney Keimer, the youth pastor's wife, calls jeans leg prisons, and she's right, because I don't believe that childbearing legs should ever be subjected to that kind of torture. But seriously, though, motherhood is amazing. It introduces you to a kind of love that you never thought existed, but actually existed since the beginning of time. It's the love that God has for us and that we get to mirror to these beautiful little people in our charge. It's the incredible privilege. It can be exhausting. It can feel like the things that you do are invisible. But those things that you are doing are vital And you are seen and you are noticed and you are treasured for everything that you do for your family. So I want to thank all the moms here for being his hands, wiping tears or butts or making dinner or tickling tummies and being his hands and his feet, his feet taking walks with your kids or standing all night so your baby will sleep because they won't sleep if you sit down because they have some sort of superpower. Anyone else have a kid like that? See? Okay. Or being his ears, listening to 517 facts about an extinct tiger, or how their first date went, and being his mouth, singing Baby Shark for the 900th time, or teaching them how to pray. You are doing good work. You are doing important work. So make sure all the moms here, except the dog moms, take a flower on your way out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We know you love your dog. Take a flower on your way out as a small, small, small token of the enormous appreciation that we have for you here at our church, here at Grace Chapel. And to remind you when you look at that flower that he sees you, every single thing that you do. He sees you, and we do too. So happy Mother's Day. So while you're finding your seats, we are in a series called Come and See. And we're studying the life of Christ and The goal, what we're trying to accomplish is to become more like him by looking at his life and looking at the people around him. So this morning, um, to stick with our theme, we're going to look at Jesus' mother, Mary. 
Okay? Now, we all know how significant it is, how important it is to have a godly mother in our lives. I mean, so many people give testimonies to how, how important their mothers were throughout their lives, the impact that they have on us, and the, and the way they juggle so many things, okay, at one time to keep the family kind of moving forward. And I was thinking about the other day, and you know I love apologetics, and I was thinking, if evolution were actually true, then why is it that mothers still only have two hands? Okay? It's a, think about that for a moment. If it was actually true, then moms would have more than two hands because they're constantly having so many things to juggle and work on. Mary, Mary, Jesus' mom, was called by God to a specific task, right? She was called to, to, to raise, if you will, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You think you're to yourself, okay, we're going to kind of look at the example of Mary. How could any parent compete with that, raising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And then I started thinking about it, but wait a second. We are called as parents, right, as moms, you're called to raise joint heirs of Jesus Christ. So in other words, you're raising little princes, and they don't seem like it sometimes, but you're you're raising little princes and little princesses, right? Because they're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. So you think about the significance of raising joint heirs of a king, princes and princesses. So what I want to do this morning is I, I want to come and see, if you will, I want you to come and see what we can learn from this amazing mom. What we can learn from this amazing woman. Three things I want to talk about. First, all right, she was a godly mother and godly mothers submit completely to God's will. Godly mothers submit completely to God's will. When Mary was a teenager, she gets a visit from Gabriel the angel who comes to her and tells her that you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. Think about that. She's a teenager here, all right? She doesn't have a lot of life experience. She's a teenager. You're going to be the life, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. No pressure there, right? If you're married, man, no pressure there. So in Luke chapter 1, 34 through 38, it says this. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Shadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. To accomplish her task, Mary had to trust God in every area of her life. Mary had to truly trust God, God's call, God's task for her life. She had to have this faith. She had to have this trust. Being engaged, okay, because you've got to put yourself in her, in her place. Being engaged at that time and then being pregnant, okay, puts you in a very challenging situation. And I'm just being polite when I say challenging. This was, you know, you could get stoned for this type of thing. I don't, I don't care what the circumstances were. Try to, now, you're pregnant, you're engaged. When you're engaged in this culture, you are separated from the person you're engaged, you're engaged to for a year to make sure nothing goes on. Okay, separated from a year. And now you're pregnant. 
And now you're going to try to explain the circumstances. Think about that. All right. We, we like some we read these stories sometimes and we think, oh, yeah, but they we have all this background. There's no background. Mary would have to kind of explain what was going on here. This was challenging. She was looking forward. If you think about it, she's young. She's about to get married. She's really looking forward to having a normal life. And then Gabriel comes to her and tells her your life is going to be anything but normal. All right. Every bit of your life is going to be anything but normal. That, my friends, took courage. That took character. But I learned something in life. When when Jesus was talking to Andrew, right, and they were feeding the 5,000, and Andrew and the disciples come to him, and they say, well, Lord, send these people off to get something to eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. And I realized something at that point, that God is not going to call you to a task that he's not going to give you the strength to accomplish. Through his power, not through your own power, but through his power. He's not going to call you to something that he's not going to give you the strength through his power to accomplish. When she heard the news, this is what she said. I love it. I love simple things in the Bible. I am the Lord's servant. May your word in me be fulfilled. That should be an example to all of us. Because, man, sometimes we're called to some challenging things, to some challenging tasks. But she says, I am God's servant. I exist to glorify God. I exist exist to serve God. So whatever you want to do through me, Lord, you do through me. What a great example. If you think about it, Mary never wavered in her complete submission to God's call in her life. A godly mom, right, submits to God's call on her life. Mary never, never wavered. I'm sure, okay, I'm sure that she was nervous. I mean, she had to be. When you study the Bible, instead of looking at it kind of like stiff, if you will, sometimes, all the time, what you need to do is try to put yourself in these people's situation. I'm sure she was nervous, unsure at her age, of how she was going to actually carry out this task. How, I mean, all right, I'm, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this baby, I'm going to have the baby of the Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How am I going to complete this task? Who wouldn't feel that way? Who, who wouldn't feel that way? She must have been, been kind of anxious thinking about what the future was going to hold. What was this going to be like? What would I experience? What would he experience? All these questions going, going through her mind, all this future. And, you know, we get nervous about the future, right? If we don't know what's going to be happening next week or tomorrow, we get a little nervous about it. Can you recall a time in your life, and help you kind of relate to Mary a little bit, can you recall a time in your life when you thought you had, all, you had it all worked out? Right? Think about it. You had it all worked out. And then you got some news, if you will, that radically changed your circumstances. You had it worked out. You planned. You prepared. This was supposed to happen. I'm going to marry Joseph. We're going to be in a carpenter's family, whatever the case may be. We're going to live this normal life. It's going to be great. We'll have, you know, 2.4 kids, 2.1 kids, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Get, we'll have a dog. I'll be a dog mom. You know what I'm saying? She had it all. She, she had it all worked out, and all of a sudden, it, something comes in. You get this news from the this angel Gabriel, who basically radically changes all of your circumstances. That's hard. 
that that's really hard, especially if you don't have a lot of experience in life. Like some of you, like we're, some of you are a little older, right? And so when when something comes to you, you don't really panic that much anymore because you know what? You've been there. You've done that. It's all worked out. It always kind of works out. And so you don't get. A, but think about Mary as a teenager here. She has all this coming at her at one time. You can imagine she didn't have the kind of life experience that other people would have had. But I think once it settled in, once it settled in, I'm sure Mary was like a lot of mothers. You know, um, she was excited about the, she was excited about what was going to happen. Right? She was excited that she was going to have a child, but not really sure how she was going to uh, how she was going to do it. Right? Like we talk about, you know, when you get a baby, it doesn't come with a manual. Right? You're, you're, you're excited about the baby, and then all of a sudden you start thinking about all these other things. You're not really sure exactly how to do it. I'm sure she was like a lot of other moms. But she knew that in order to accomplish her task, to accomplish her goal, she needed, she needed, okay, needed. And this is what we all need to do, moms or dad. We need to keep our hearts and our minds focused on God. We need to keep our hearts and our minds constantly focused on God. Because it is a, it is a challenging task to be a parent and raise a child. Is a challenging task. And you have to follow Mary's example. And you have to throughout your life, throughout your life, in every season, do your best to keep your mind and your heart focused on God. She never allowed anything else to be her priority in life. Nothing else ever became the priority. God was the priority. All right, Focusing on Him was the priority. Heart, mind, soul, strength. And that made her, that made her a mom worth following. A mom worth imitating. That was number one. Number two, a godly mom doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be perfect. That is so relaxing, or should be, for, for moms and dads. Now, I know in some church traditions, Mary is pretty much seen as sinless or, um, you know, perfect. She's basically sinless or perfect. Let me tell you, in no uncertain terms here, Mary was not sinless. Mary was not perfect. She was not a perfect mom. She was a mom. She was a great mom, okay? But she had imperfections. She made mistakes like everybody else. Now, that's great news when you're thinking about as a parent of your own imperfections, right? You know, we get up here and we preach sermons and we tell, you know, Proverbs 31 woman, whatever, you know, we lay it all out. That's the worst, that would be the worst sermon to preach on Mother's Day. Here's the example of a perfect mom, you know what I mean? And you're not it, you know. Um, (laughs) They should have one of those, you know, Proverbs 30 whatever for dads too, right? Um, So she was, she was not, she was not perfect. And that's good for us as parents because we realize our own imperfections. We, we all have days. I read the story about this lady named Linda from Malden, Massachusetts, okay? On the day of her daughter's wedding, and you, if you've had children who've been married, you've been to a wedding, okay, you've seen this. In the beginning, all the, the moms go up there and there's three candles. And the moms light the candles. Well, you know, she went up in front of the church with everybody sitting there to light the candle. And I'm going to read it from her as she tells the story. Not realizing the potential hazard, I got too close and set my acrylic nail on fire. 
Trying not to ruin my daughter's big day, I calmly lit the candle from my flaming nail and and then like a gunslinger with a six-shooter, I blew it out. (laughs) Wouldn't that that be amazing to see? You're you're, you're like your finger's on fire, you light the candle, you know. (laughs) Needless to say, my blackened nail was the talk of the reception. That's reality, okay? Despite the fact that Mary was the mother of Jesus Christ, she was not perfect. Okay? She was not perfect. I guarantee you Mary had her flaming nail days. Right? We all do. All parents have those types of days. Here's the thing. The Proverbs, Proverbs 31 woman is a beautiful poetic example of qualities, okay, qualities that we should strive, okay, to attain in our lives. Qualities we should strive for. But she's not a real person. But those are qualities we should strive for. Just like we talk about Mary. There's a, there are qualities in the life that we should strive for. If you're a younger mom, going to mom to mom is a great idea. Why? Because you're surrounded by moms who raise their children differently. Alright? They were different. There's different styles. They have different styles of raising their children. And you may, you may adapt more to this style or you're more like this personality. So you have older moms who have had different styles of raising their, their, their children and you can learn from them. That's what we want to do. None of us are perfect. And so we adapt. We take the qualities that we see in other people's lives, okay? And we adapt them to our own lives. Mary was a real person and Mary made real mistakes. Have you ever, okay, parents, have you ever lost your child thinking, thinking that someone else had them, that that someone else was watching them, right? How do you starve a dog? Ask two people to feed it. Think about it. Have you ever lost a child thinking someone else was had your child? So did Mary, right, in the temple? She lost them. She lost them. A couple of years ago, we were at Disney World. And all, you know, you're walking through Disney World, crowds and crowds of people. If you've been there, you understand what I'm talking about. Just close your eyes and get this picture. All of a sudden, there's this frantic mom screaming, okay, that she's lost her child. She's yelling for the name of her child. Okay, and it was an amazing thing to watch. It was amazing to watch. It, it, it was like every mother in earshot kind of clicked into a different gear. The dad started watching their own children and all the mothers started going around yelling for this child to try to find this child. It was like an army of people all trying to find this child. And they finally did. The moms all got together and they finally, they found someone, found the child, brought her back to the mom. And you could just, you picture the mom because you've been here. Okay, you're kind of, you're panicked. And it was amazing to, I was able to kind of watch this from a distance, just everybody looking around. I was obviously looking around too, but I had, I had Josh with me there. I was kind of watching. Deb was kind of trying to find the kid and all that kind of thing. And when it was all over and they brought the child back to the mom, all the other moms, a bunch of other moms were around her. And they were, they were rubbing her back and they were patting her on the shoulder and she was like crying because she was so upset that she had lost her child. Not really that she had lost, that, that, that now he was back. You know what I didn't see in the moms that were around the other mom? Judgment in their eyes. No one was judging her. 
They were just relieved that that mom had her child back. Why was there no judgment in their eyes? Why was there no judgment in their body language? You can see people walking away be like, well, what kind of knucklehead is that? Leaving their oh, I would never lose my child. No one acted that way. You know why? Why? Because we, yeah, exactly, because it happens to everyone. That panic of your kid walking around the other side of the car and, you know, when you're even in your park and you don't, all of a sudden they're, where would they go? We've all felt it. Even for just a moment, we've all felt it. We've all felt those experiences. I was in Washington, D.C. in March. I think it was March. End of March. And I had the privilege of meeting the attorney, the, the Surgeon General of the U.S. And he was up. He was one of the first speakers there. And he got up and he was talking about the fact that his brother had got addicted to opioids and was, it was in prison for 10 years. He got a 10-year, the Surgeon General's brother is in prison for 10 years because of opioid use. And he was going through and he was trying to teach everyone not to make judgments about what kind of families have people who have opioid problems. And And basically what he said was, you know what, my parents raised the Surgeon General of the United States. I think they must have done some things right. It was like, yep. One brother's in prison, the other brother's the Surgeon General of the United States. You know, we've all been through, we all understand how difficult it is. No parent is perfect. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50 proves that. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? He's not being disrespectful here. Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Mary mistakenly tries to interrupt Jesus while he's teaching, while he's, while he's speaking. She comes there, she's, trying to, she's basically trying to interrupt him. His brothers did not believe that he was the Messiah until after the death and resurrection, which proves, again, the Bible is the word of God. All right, his brothers did not, they were like, mm-mm, not, you know, he was, uh, you know, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus, 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 right? <laughs> and then he raises from the dead, you know what I mean? And he, you know, so they're like, well, okay. <laughs> King of kings, Lord of lords, you know, hanging out with him the whole time, didn't even know it. But the brothers, okay, didn't recognize that and didn't acknowledge that until after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And in this situation, Mary was influenced by her other sons and tried to temper what Jesus was teaching. Now, side note, when your mom corrects you when you're speaking, everyone else, okay, nothing wrong with that, all right? But no mom tells the king of king and lord of lords, okay, and tries to stop him from talking or teaching or whatever he was teaching. All right, so that was a mistake on her part. She wasn't, all I'm saying is she wasn't perfect. As a parent, you've made mistakes in the past and you're going to make more mistakes in the future. 
Through it all, here's the deal. God knows that. God's going to continue to love you and help you become the person, the parent that you were designed and created to be. We just got to keep going forward, ask for forgiveness. When we make mistakes, we ask God to forgive us. We ask our children to forgive us. And we move on and we just become the best parents that we can be. It's a process. In the end, if you focus on God's will, you will accomplish the task that God has called you to in being a mother or being a grandmother. Okay? God will help you accomplish that task. Number three and last. A mother called by God never relinquishes her title. A mother, a godly mother, never relinquishes the title. In John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Now, I want you to, again, this is kind of a little bit hard, but I want you to enter into Mary at this point. Enter what she must be feeling. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Mary didn't stand there stoically. Mary Mary didn't stand there passively at the foot of the cross. Mary wasn't standing there like she was watching some theatrical performance that was, you know, happening in front of her. We watch things sometimes from from back here or whatever. We see movies or whatever. This wasn't Mary's experience. She wasn't she wasn't stoically standing there or passively standing there and just kind of watching this play unfold in front of her. That's not the situation. That's not what happened. She crumbled at the cross her heart she crumbles at the cross on the day that Jesus Christ was crucified the one who suffered most and I'm not trying to compare okay because there is no comparison the one who suffered most was Jesus Christ because he suffered in a way that was supernatural beyond what any human being could suffer because it was spiritual it was emotional and it was physical but it was spiritual But what I'm saying is that Mary, his mother, was next in line. Okay? Because you can, we can stand here and sing songs about King of King and Lord of Lords, but that was her little boy hanging on the cross. That was her, that was her child. So, you start to think about Mary and what she went through, and she's just a human being, and she doesn't understand everything that's actually happening right now. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the king of kings when Mary was standing down there. That's why I'm saying emotionally and the pain, she was next in line because that was her little boy. Her heart was broken. Her emotional pain was inconsolable. Inconsolable. That cross cut deep, deep into her heart. But despite the pain, Mary was there from beginning to end. Despite all, despite what she had to endure, what she had to see, what she had to go through, she was a mother from beginning to end. A mother called by God never relinquishes the title. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how old your children are. You all have the same thing. My mother literally calls me on cold days from New York and asks me, while I'm driving to work, I'm 56 years old, am I wearing a coat? (laughs) Um, I'm not joking. I'm 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 not making this up. I'm looking at the weather. Now now I have phone. I'm looking at the weather here. Are Are you in a coat and everything? They never, godly mothers never relinquish the title. 
you'll find mothers, you'll find mothers like I'm talking about, and you understand what I'm saying. You'll find mothers in the halls of children's hospitals, children's hospitals. You'll find them in prisons. And sometimes you'll find them at funeral homes. Mothers never relinquish the title. Even, even when children are rebellious, even when the children are disrespectful, because they've been called by God. Moms have been called by God to do the task that they've been called to do. And Jen is absolutely right. They deserve honor. They deserve respect. They deserve everything that we can offer them. Because I don't, I don't, I, the mothers that I, that I'm a part of, they're a part of my life. The mothers that I know, they never relinquish the title. They're constantly praying for their children. I don't care if they're 80 years old and their children are 60 years old. They're praying for their children. They're, they're caring about their children. They're concerned about their children. Mary had a chance. The cool thing is, as we, as we kind of close off here, Mary had the chance, okay, to see God's plan play out. Her whole, the whole plan play out. Mary suffered like no mom probably has ever suffered, if you will, through the crucifixion, but she also celebrated at the resurrection of her son, Jesus Christ. She suffered, through the, she suffered through the crucifixion, but she celebrated during the resurrection. Can you imagine, okay, how she felt when she went to the tomb and he was not there? All right, first it's like, what? But then, all right, once she realizes, wait, you know, who stole my kid's body, you know? And then it's like, wait a second, he's alive. So she celebrated through, she celebrated through the resurrection. Mary, Mary, Jesus' mother was not perfect, but she followed the will of God throughout her entire life. And she left, she left a legacy, okay, for every single one of us to follow. And that's a great mom. That's a great mom. Let's pray. God, thank you so, so much for moms. Thank you so much for what they mean in each of our lives, for the work that they do, for the effort that they put out, for the thankless job sometimes that they do, Lord God. They do so many things. They serve in so many incredible ways that no one even sees. And it's almost just expected. The kind of work that they do is just expected. And so, God, I pray. I know that you see it. That's the great thing. You see every act. And I pray, dear God, and I just pray that they would realize this in their hearts, that one day, one day they're going to stand before you in heaven and you're going to say, thank you. When I needed something to drink, you gave me something to drink. When I needed something to eat, you gave me something to drink. When I eat, when I, when I needed my, when I needed new clothing, I needed a change, when I needed anything, you were there for me. When I, was, when I was hurting, when I was crying, when I, needed, when I needed someone to just comfort me, you were there. And moms will say, Lord, when, when did I do all those things for you? And you'll say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And the most vulnerable people in our culture are children, defenseless children. And God, we know that every single time a mom does something sweet and kind and gentle and encouraging and uplifting, challenging, even the discipline, you see it all. And God, they will, be, they will get crowns in heaven for the effort and the time that they have put in 
to raise their children in a way that honors you. So we love them and we thank you for them. We pray, dear God, that you would bless them as they do their work in this world for everyone around them. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week. Happy Mother's Day.